Hi again, people who are listening to us on the internet. I am now sitting here with Juan Pacheco. Juan Pacheco went from being a gang member to a healer. And we want to know what does it take. Mr. Pacheco's motivation comes from his own life experience. He was a gang member in the past and he is now studying to be a doctor at George Mason University. So Juan Pacheco will become a great physician. Others can do the same if we give them a chance and if they give themselves a chance. That's right. So Juan, talk to us about what you said on stage this morning. Well, I'm just uh, actually real humbled to uh, have the opportunity to, uh, to come here after many uh, trials and tribulations and winters in my life mm-hmm. where I felt that, uh, that, that, that nurturing beauty that I had inside uh, couldn't, couldn't sprung up, you know. Mm. And so I felt, uh, I talked about that. I talked about all those seasons in my life where I, as many young people across America, uh, go through. You know, some, some of them uh, have longer winters than others. Not only because they don't make the choice to, uh, to search for life or to search for the sun that's waiting for them. Sometimes it's because people in communities don't do what they need to do to make sure that the soil is clean in the winters of young people's lives so that in the spring can sprout out life and beauty and, and the full potential of life. So I talked about my struggles as a young immigrant here in the United States uh, coming and living with my familia from El Salvador after a civil war that devastated my country, a uh, civil war that took the lives of many innocent people because of uh, politics and because of uh, the weeds of ideas and the weeds of fear that other countries put on, on our people. And so we started uh, eradicating our own, own selves. So a lot of people came to the United States. Uh, one of the, those, the, those families was, was my family. So I talked about, uh, you know, the immigrant struggle, the gentrification of a whole people because of violence that's, that we committed among ourselves, right? And so, uh, you know, when somebody moves from uh, another country to another country, you lose everything. You lose your way of life, your comfort, your money, your family, your friends, your cultura, your culture, right? So it's, it's a big loss. I mean, here in America, we get all freaked out about not having one meal. Imagine not having anything, right? So my mom, my, my madrecita, made that a big struggle to give uh, her three children a, a life. And what happens a lot of times, and a lot of things that is uh, either covered up or hidden and, and, and denied in America is about is those ghettos, those communities, those struggling places where only poverty and disillusionment and, and, and hopelessness and... and, and and in a world where young people don't see opportunity or hope for, for a better life. <clears throat> not only because, not because they want to stay there. Sometimes it's because nobody goes in there to tell them of a different world. Because it takes courage to go into the tainted soil of the heart of young people. So I started living in that, those neighborhoods where the only things that I saw was asphalt and seas of, uh, you know, seas and ri- rivers, what I, what I call seas and rivers of asphalt, 
no sources of recreation, no people coming to tell me about opportunities and hopes and dreams and, and my mom, my, you know, working two to three jobs to survive. So I started resenting my own family. Why is mom always working? Doesn't she love us? But I didn't know as a child she was doing it because she loved us. Yeah. You know, because she was a woman with dignity back in El Salvador with a you know, bachelor's degree and actually she had a master's degree in social work. But here in America she had to do the jobs that were only available to people who don't speak English. Sometimes it's break, you know, breaking back labor. You know, labor that nobody else wants to do, that nobody else wants to get their hands dirty. The builders, the cleaners, the ones who uh, serve our food, the ones that cook and transport everything we eat. And so she had to do that type of work. Years later, when my father moved in, because he had to stay in El Salvador, same story. My dad is a co college-educated man. He's a, he uh, has a degree in accounting. Same story. That's the story of a lot of people in the United States. And the casualties of that reality is the young people and our parents. Because nobody comes to build a bridge, to talk, to connect, to link that isolated young man who doesn't see his or her mom. And that mom who comes home and cries every night because of breaking labor that she has been doing all day and so I resented my family I resented my neighborhood and gangs were the only option that was culturally appropriate and easily accessible in my neighborhood and so I joined and I uh, a lot of things happen when you uh, join join uh, the world of violence because it, uh, one of the things that I have to make clear is that our nonprofit organization, our movement, uh, we have nothing against gang members. And we have nothing against gangs. Because gangs are just like a fraternity in a college of young men who need support, who try to find brotherhood, who need a, you know, a place to belong, a place to feel loved, a, fi a place to be supported, a place of other young men who can support dreams. So the only thing that gangs are, the negative aspect is the violence. Did you experience violence in your home? No, only the violence of not being there because of necessity. Okay. And that's a violence that's committed to young people in their heart. That's very important. Isolation, feeling alone. And the violence of poverty. And that violence of poverty that's very silent. Yes. And so... Uh, so you, did, you joined this gang for, for fraternity. For brotherhood. To feel a sense of to belonging. To feel belonging, yeah. yeah. Because nobody was coming to my neighborhood telling me, hey kid, let's go play soccer at the nice recreation center that's over there where the rich people live. Right. Hey kid, let's go out there, you know, let's go uh, after school program where, you know, and I can't, we can't pick you up, but you know, if you get your mom and daddy to drive you, mom and daddy's not home to drive me. How am I going to get there? Oh, well, too bad kid. You're out of luck. Sometimes, you know, systems, you know, we've been talking about systems, how they can transform yes. the reality of either nature, Mother Earth, uh, our beautiful uh, seas, our oceans, right? We need systemic people to make right decisions, mm -hmm. you know? Sometimes, uh, instead of the systems waiting for the people to come to you, right? 
Because I'm sure there's no uh, fish that's going to go talk to a congressman. Hey, I need your help, buddy. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Okay? In the same way that a gang member is not going to come here in this room and say, Hey, pioneers, you saved my life. Let me knock on your door. Mm -hmm. No, we need to go to them. To them. We need to go where young people are hurting and get our hands soiled, get them dirty with the pain and suffering of the young people's hearts. And so um, it, I lost a lot in the world of violence. You know, I saw my be best friend getting shot, and lost a scholarship. I lost my mom's trust. I used to run away from home. I used to sell drugs. I got incarcerated, you know. And then in that world, you know, when everything beats you down, young people, one of the big messages is that sometimes young people don't believe in the concept of forgiveness. Not only they can't, they, they don't, they can't forgive themselves for the mistakes that they made in the past <coughs> and see a better future, also they can't forgive the adults who have mistreated them yeah. and disrespected them and judged them. They needed to prosecute them and punish them, right? But also, society doesn't believe in the world, the word redemption. The ability of a human being to transform their current reality to a future that's unseen. So sometimes societies and families and our communities give up on these young people. So we need to somehow meet in the middle and understand the interdependence, that we need each other. We need young people as much as they need us, right? We as communities and politicians and system people need to be practice a little bit of humility, maybe listen a little bit better and act a little bit slower and listen to the needs of the people and uh, other brothers that are in the ocean, four-legged brothers, our plants, and see what they need and how they have the responsibility and the duty to do the right thing. Not the politically correct thing that will get you reelected. And so uh, I came here to talk about that reality that young people must make better choices. But our world needs to allow those choices to bloom. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I was, oh, that was the message. But the message is this. Yes. Even in a world of darkness and disillusionment and poverty and hopelessness, if you have good people that are willing to, uh, to, to uh, be there, to listen, to love, to guide, to uh, uplift when you're feeling down, right, you can make a difference. I remember all the people that helped. That's right. I remember every adult that told me that I could do something, that I could go back to school, that, I, that, uh, that there were scholarships, that I didn't need to let poverty get in the way of my future. You know, people like uh, Clyde Jackson, Frank Blackman, Sharon Wenland, uh, Andrea Lay. You know, people who uh, taught me about my potential. But the most important thing that they taught me was my spiritual reality. The spiritual thing that I have inside my heart. That God, that Creator. You know, I, I call that Creator Jesus. Other people call Him different names. It's okay. You know? Without that hope that is there even when people are not, I wouldn't be here. So they taught me to believe in an invisible reality that uh, drives 
a lot of things that in this world. And so uh, that hope, that faith that, that I find when I'm alone, the thing that keeps me going. And it was because people taught me to believe, believe in, in the future. Was and there a particular moment where you felt your being changing? The very essence of your being changing? I feel it every day. Because change is a process, it never, it never stops. Change, uh, you know, I, I, feel, I feel down sometimes, I feel up others, sure. right? But my ability to have that, that inner strength and connection to a creator that loves me and reminds me that there's, there's hope allows me to not believe in the lies of the pain and hurt and loneliness that sometimes people carry, that I carry. It outweighs the uncertainty. It outweighs the uncertainty. Oh, yes. So I'm able to come here and go to those neighborhoods or do whatever I need to do in life without fear. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that um, many young people have this marvelous intelligence that you have and that it simply needs to be awakened one day at a time? That's a good way of putting it. It must be, uh, young people must remember it. And to remember it, they must be able to see living examples of people who've been awakened to that fact, to their purpose, to uh, that, that purpose life that they've been, they've been given. You know, and that they must protect it and nurture it and wait and be patient. And, and, and I believe all young people have that. All young people. What makes me more important than you? I'm not. I'm not any more than than you are. You know, my contributions are no no more than what you contribute to to the network and beauty of of, of being human, being alive, of what you leave behind, your legacy. You know, maybe your legacy was just raising your beautiful children. It may be the legacy that you started by being a good mom, a good counselor, a good guy. You might not be able to see. Because maybe the great beauty comes in your grandchildren. Who will be great men who change the world with the help of a great being called God. Right. So... You don't know. So uh, I think all children have it. I think it needs to be reawakened. It needs to be uh, <laughs> uh, remembered. And uh, it takes people to be that, those storytellers. Stories. Storytellers. Stories. Yes. To reawaken the heart of young people. And it can be done. I mean, I, you know, I never thought that I was going to graduate. I mean, I lost a scholarship. I never thought I was going to graduate from community college. I graduated with, uh, with honors. I, then I went to George Mason University. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in nursing. I never thought I was going to do that. And then, now you're studying to be a doctor. And now I'm studying to be a doctor, and I'm getting a bachelor's degree in nursing and psychology. And, and in the future, I can see a Juan Pacheco in a hospital. Wonderful. And Wonderful. so neither poverty, disillusionment, Hurt, depression, doubt, 
fear will take that away from me ever again. And even if I don't make it, even if I die tomorrow, at least there was a story and a legacy that I tried, that I didn't give up, that I, my trajectory was going the right way. You know? You did it. And being guided. You already did it. Because it's right here. And here. In the gut. <laughs> Thank you for your heart. Thank yeah. you for your gut. Hey, no yeah. problem. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> oh.